0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the For Real Movie Podcast. I'm Thomas, one of the co-hosts, and what you're about to hear is a part of a conversation I have with my movie blogging partner, Tim, about recent news out of D23. In this segment, we make many references to the primary topic we originally hopped on our mics to discuss, my love and Tim's hate for the Lord of the Rings movies and Star Wars The Last Jedi. We did not anticipate the discussion of these side topics to be so lengthy. As it is, I felt it necessary to publish at least this portion of the discussion as soon as possible. So you can hear the remainder of the conversation about Lord of the Rings and The Last Jedi when we publish that in October. As for this episode, there's a few things I'd like to update and correct. First, we make references to a few things that were unknown at the time of recording, but have since been published and put online. Like the clip of Rey and her double-sided red lightsaber. That footage is online now. You can go check it out and determine what that's all about yourself. Also, concerning Spider-Man, Sony, and the MCU, more articles have been posted from various sources about Spider-Man being retracted from the MCU. Although, as far as I've seen so far, fault for the agreement falling through still seems to be undetermined. Lastly, and I know someone's going to call me out on this, so I want to address it now. Tim references The Empire Strikes Back. To which I quickly say, that was from the 70s, like... The Empire Strikes Back released May 21st, 1980. I apologize. Now, that's all been cleared up. Please enjoy the discussion. Let's do this. So this week there was a lot of news and information that came out uh, about Disney Plus. Uh, we got some uh, trailers for a few of the movies and shows that will be coming onto Disney Plus this week, um, and just general trailers for the platform in general. Uh, so I guess I'll start with you, Tim. Was there anything that you, um, that stood out for you as far as this content that they put out promoting Disney plus?
1: Well, so there was a couple, um, I'm going to start with the first one that's kind of away from our topics today is I saw the lady in the tramp live action, uh, trailer and yeah, um, that's going
0: to, that's going to Disney plus, right?
1: Exactly. So is Disney just trying to like create their own, like, they don't have to ship it to movie theaters to get it watched? Because we've seen a lot of their reboots lately have been a little less than fantastic.
0: Well, if you ask me, I really think Disney is just... Um, <laughs> they, are, they are cashing in on their content. Like, why create original content when you can just redo stuff that you knew worked at one point? Um, and the conversion from animated to live action is just one of the more convenient ways to cash grab. I think they have put a lot of effort into trying to make these good from a production standpoint, uh, uh, production quality wise, because we look at things like the jungle book and the lion King, uh, and, and, you know, all these other, um, live action adaptations and they, they meet the visuals and the, in the production value standards. Um, which which is great from that perspective, but I don't believe that they're translating the stories in a way that that makes these uh, these remakes worthwhile. I'm pretty sure on most of them I've said, why couldn't I just watch the original and be happy with that? The exception, at least as far as the ones I've seen, the exception is Beauty and the Beast. I did really like Beauty and the Beast, and I think that's because Beauty and the Beast... It embraced the musical aspect of of the cartoon, and I think that's something that they're not they're not really uh, holding on to when it comes to things like the Jungle Book and with Lion King. They know that we expect certain music, and so they put the music in there. But I wouldn't consider the live action Lion King a musical. I wouldn't consider Jungle Book a musical. I would consider Beauty and the Beast a musical. And I think that's the big difference between the live action remakes that work for me and the live action remakes that don't work for me. Now, as far as Lady and the Tramp goes, is that one that's going to work for me? I don't know. They're not putting it in theaters. They're putting it on the streaming service. And it's entirely possible that that's just their way of luring people to the streaming service. Um, But it's also possible that it just wasn't good enough quality to put in theaters. So that's my roundabout way of saying more information to come. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Lady and the Tramp is, it's popular, but it's definitely not on the level of some of the other uh, remakes they're doing. So I could see them putting like maybe their lesser reboots onto Disney Plus. Um, but I do
0: wonder, well, I guess Mulan is going to theaters. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll Time will tell what the strategy is behind Disney Plus. Um, I can only imagine they make more money putting it in theaters. I mean, are you going to make a billion dollars off of one property on Disney Plus? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know the model of streaming services well enough to understand how that breaks down per property. Um, but, but yeah, they're really pulling out a lot of the stops to get people there. And I think this lady and the tramp. Um, uh, live action thing debuting on Disney plus is their way of saying, Hey, look, you enjoyed, well, theoretically you enjoyed jungle book. You enjoyed beauty and the beast. You enjoyed lion King. Now enjoy this same formula on Disney plus. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like that not, I feel like I'm confident there's a lot of strategy behind how they're rolling this out. Um, and I don't know, I guess as far as the trailer goes, like I watched the trailer and the movie I mean I was very indifferent about the trailer it's not like whoa I absolutely have to go get Disney plus to watch lady and the tramp like not not entirely uh for me but I think that there that it's doing its job as far as the strategy goes capturing uh consumers attention from a recognizable property live-action remake uh, on a on an affordable platform
1: honestly I don't think that lady and the tramp is the one that's bringing people in honestly it's got to be the mandalorian which i just i just tweeted about this and uh, w- because obviously we're going to talk about the last jedi and how terrible it was and <laughs> how uh, great of solo, a movie it was <laughs> and solo was not up to par and it made me wonder after seeing that trailer i'm like we didn't need a solo movie you could make a solo series mm-hmm. now we could have gotten the Mandalorian as the feature film. And that would have worked much better. Cause I don't buy into the whole fatigue nonsense.
0: Right. If you're making I don't good either. content, yeah.
1: if you're making good content, people are going to go watch it. So if you're. I mean,
0: let, let's look at a Spider-Man uh, uh, far from home is Disney's what 20 something or, or Marvel's 20 something superhero movie. After years of people complaining about superhero fatigue, then Spider-Man goes and makes a billion dollars worldwide if the fatigue thing is is i don't i don't buy into it either
1: i think it's a vocal minority and honestly they probably weren't watching superhero movies that much recently anyway
0: I mean, if you ask me, I honestly think that it was that it's it's people with the perception that that fatigue of a particular genre exists. There is a perception. There is a, there's probably a vocal minority that perpetuates that perception, and theoretically, people buy into it or people kind of uh, project that. But it's more about you know talking with your dollars, and Disney and Marvel are proving that. That people do not get fatigued off of their content. Um, I mean, I honestly that I think that that's why Disney and uh, won't put out or won't put more effort into original content. They're they're too lucrative on the stuff they've already done, and too lucrative on the stuff that is rehashed and redone and rebooted and uh, and remade and sequeled. Like, why would you put more effort into original content?
1: <clears throat> so.
0: Yeah, sorry. Basically, the
1: you're theater. basically you are correct. They don't have to. There's not really much for fatigue, but um, so the Mandalorian gets me a little excited. I'm still, I'm kind of cheap on that aspect. Um, I know that Disney Plus isn't that expensive. It's not like it's like another Netflix or something.
0: Honestly, I but think it's the of- cheapest. Is the cheapest streaming service? The cheapest of the major streaming services. Um, Hulu, well, I guess Hulu will be a part of that, but uh, Netflix is over ten dollars now. Um, I'm trying to think what is HBO and Showtime and all those other ones are at, right? but Disney Plus is six ninety nine a month. Uh, last time I checked, and I think it was really 12. last time I
1: saw it, it was nine ninety nine.
0: Oh, I guess I'll have to go check again. I do know that they have a bundle, and I don't know if that bundle uh, over overwrote the $6.99 price point or if there are options. Um, but I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off. What were you saying? I
1: was There's basically a, saying that... Um,
0: service,
1: Yeah, and it's if it's $9.99 and Netflix is $10, it's basically the same thing. Right. We're, but my issue is I'm not going to pay $9.99 a month to watch Lady in the Tramp reboot. And so the only the only series that I see so far that is making me consider it is the Mandalorian. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I might cancel after I'm done with that. So
0: (laughs) that's going to be very interesting to see, because it's not Disney Plus is not. I mean, I think what they're promoting right now is a very limited, limited selection of the vast universe that is Disney um, you know, when they, at the end of each trailer, when they do the animated Disney plus logo, you see all the properties that are going to be involved, uh, with, with having a Disney plus, uh, subscription. And so you might sign up for the Mandalorian thinking, I'm just going to watch that and be done as most people do with most series like, uh, Netflix, you know, watch, house of cards and be done with it or watch the you know roma and be done with it or whatever but i really think with disney plus because they already have such a wealth of content such a a vast endless catalog of of things to just upload and and have available you're going to sign up for the mandalorian and realize oh well shoot uh end games on here or oh well shoot um you know, classic cartoons are on here or, oh, my kid loves watching this over and over. I think there's going to be so many reasons that you're going to find and that most consumers who sign up are going to find to keep Disney Plus and maybe even cancel all these other uh, subscription services um, just because Disney is such a powerhouse with content, original or, I guess, um, uh, uh, studio-owned content that people have proven to want to watch over and over and over again. Particularly kids. True,
1: but most of the the Disney's original content I already own, so I don't need to pay a monthly subscription service to watch it.
0: I mean, well, yeah, maybe in digital media. (laughs) But you also have to think, I mean, let's just look in the Marvel sphere. You have, uh, what was it, 12 releases coming out over the next, they announced 12 projects coming out over, I'm pretty sure it was 12, uh, over the next year and a half half of those releases are Disney plus content. So yeah, sign up for the Mandalorian, but how are you going to watch WandaVision if you cancel after that? Or how are you going to watch what if, if you cancel after that? Um, I mean, I think you
1: overestimate my, um, my, uh, Interest in something like WandaVision.
0: (laughs) Here's the the smart thing that they did. Here's the smart thing that they did. And I get it. You're not very interested in in WandaVision. That's not necessarily your story arc. But as far as I've heard, WandaVision uh, ties. It's like a prequel to um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So you can't watch Doctor Strange 2 in theaters without having seen WandaVision on Disney+. It's so smart. Like you have to sign back up because it's like it's like skipping um, Civil War before watching Infinity War. You, you really can't do that. Like you're missing so much context in in how the story is told. Um, and it's a true. Movie. It's
1: it's like it's like watching Lost Jedi after skipping
0: The Force Awakens. Oh wait, oh, boy. the director must have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited to get in that conversation. We've had, talk, we've had this talk many times before and I'm really, I'm really excited to get it on the record. Um, but, um, but yeah, I really, and again, I think time is going to tell about that strategy. Disney, the the advantage that Disney has over all of these other streaming services is that Disney already has a wealth of produced and studio owned content that people want to watch over and over. Whereas Netflix, Hulu, HBO, they all have to actually make that content. Like they're not, they haven't, they haven't been around 80 years to have all of this content already produced. They have to actually spend and there's just no way they're going to catch up to the catalog that Disney has. And I think that that's going to lead a lot of people to sign up for Disney+. Plus. And I also think, because this is the case for me as well, I think Disney+, Plus is going to be that tipping point where people actually start thinking, you know what, I have too many subscriptions. This is costing just as much as cable did back when I complained about cable prices. So when you have stars, HBO, uh, um, uh, Netflix, Netflix, Um, You know, and all of these things, YouTube, I mean, I subscribe to YouTube, even though I don't care for their content. Um, But when you start building up all of these $10 a month subscriptions, I really think Disney Plus is going to be that one that people say, all right, you know what, I got to cancel some stuff. Um, I got to get out of some of these, uh, some of these subscriptions, because it's starting to add up. And Disney is everything every human wants and needs in entertainment. Um, Whether it's kids' movies, whether it's more mature content, whether it's comedy, whether it's Disney Channel content, right? Like, why would you need any other subscription service when Disney has everything targeted to everyone?
1: I mean... I'm just saying I will not contribute to the Disney monopoly.
0: Okay, well I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna. Well, will when's November? November August. you gonna need November. at least. I'm gonna need at least something else. I think that I think it's gonna be there. I think you're gonna sign up and then realize, oh well, <sighs> shit. <laughs> there is a lot of stuff here. <laughs> so three months from now, we will find out um but that's disney plus the other thing i wanted to talk about is also in the disney sphere but it's a disney loss honestly and that's um that is the spider-man um uh the spider-man property leaving disney and marvel partnership um it was announced this week that sony will not renew uh, a partnership agreement with Disney and Marvel to continue making MCU Spider-Man films. And I know you have some strong feelings about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Excuse me. It's uh, good for us if we uh, don't like Monopolies. But at the same (laughs) time, um, basically, Disney wanted... Um, they basically wanted 10 times more than what they had agreed to the first time. And Sony was like, well, that's not going to happen. So that was it. <laughs> so it literally, I mean, they're talking, they want 50. What is it? They, uh, Sony did get open that they could do a deal in the future, but right now they're, they're, right. uh, I think that's not a big doing take. that.
0: I think that's a big takeaway from this particular news story is that I don't think the door is completely closed. This isn't a, a totally like Spider-Man with Marvel control is completely off the table from now on. I think both studios see the value in the partnership, but they just couldn't come to terms that both were happy with. I, you know, theoretically, I'm not a big fan of monopolies, but I did see, I saw a tweet and I can't remember the exact tweet, but, um, essentially what it was saying was, you know, maybe it's a good thing that Disney doesn't own every single thing ever. Right. And in theory, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like I, I I did Disney buying Fox, like, eh, I'm happy that those properties are back with Marvel, but I also kind of liked the idea that Fox was a competitor um i really would have just preferred that the properties went back to disney and not the whole studio but at the same time uh i think spider-man is better suited for the mcu you, uh, you look at the first spider-man trilogy and i went back and watched the the um the very very first spider-man movie with toby mcguire um and I mean, it doesn't. I don't. I don't think that it it holds up still, but it was for that time a solid um, origin story of Spider Man. But the the series just kind of declined from there, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, that Spider Man three movie, like, really, guys what what were you thinking, really? Um, And then you have the Andrew Garfield reboot, uh, which was another origin story you know which I, I didn't agree with but that didn't really go anywhere but and this is something that i had had um talked about recently on the lamb cast is that i think spider-man at least in the cinematic universe has proven to be better in a team um I'm not familiar with the comics, but I like Spider-Man when he is a part of a bigger story or he is a component of a bigger universe happening. And Sony has a very hard time building that universe. The one thing that makes me hesitate to say that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It wasn't necessarily a team of, you know, other superheroes, but it was certainly a team of Spider-Mans. And that dynamic worked so, so, so well for that movie, along with a whole bunch of other things. And that's the one reason I'm not like up in arms about how dare Sony leave Marvel. Without Into the Spider-Verse, I would have a lot more concerns about this news um but i think if sony can put the right talent in the right places when it comes to directing and producing um and be more smart about how they manage the properties and also you know i I consider because a spider-man tom holland had five appearances in in the in the MCU, and i consider that sony's little internship (laughs) this was sony you know, working and learning from Marvel, I really, really hope that Sony, in this internship in the MCU, learns some things that does and does not work and can take that to produce the next Spider-Man movie. Well, they did have a pretty good uh, Spider-Man movie with Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, hold on, Tim. Say that again.
1: Uh, I said they had a pretty good movie for Into the Spider-Verse.
0: They had a damn good movie. I thought that Spider... If you're asking me, Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie that has ever been made. Even better than the... Now, I like Tom Holland and Spider-Man, and I like his contribution to the MCU. But I honestly think that Into the Spider-Verse is better than all of Spider-Man's appearances in the MCU. Um, That was just such a brilliant standalone project. Um, that that kind of brought a new and refreshing, even though it was another origin story. Ugh, it was another origin story, but it was it was more creative of an origin story. It wasn't necessarily the origin of Spider-Man. It was the origin of this particular Spider-Man in a universe where lots of other Spider-Mans have already existed. So it, it just worked so well.
1: So I'm looking at this Deadline article on the uh, the split here. And it looks as though um, Disney, as time went on, tried to strong arm their way in um, because Mm -hmm. it does say that sources say that the original Disney ask was more reasonable than 50-50 co-financing. So Mm -hmm. originally, because right now I think it's, I think Disney does all of it or some of it or um, let's see. They already own the mer- Disney. Already owns the merchandise on Spider Man,
0: and well, they're making a lot. Of they money. get
1: <laughs> and Disney gets five percent of the gross.
0: I you know I really wish I could be a fly on the wall in those Sony Disney negotiations for Spider Man because I there's. As far as I know, there's a lot of conflicting information about who's being unreasonable. Sony thinks that Disney's being unreasonable. Disney thinks Sony's being unreasonable. You know, it's this very un- unfortunate marriage. Um, but I think I, w- I would really like to see what those negotiations are like to really get the details on who is actually being unreasonable. Because honestly, if you have merchandising, then why would you need movie profits? Merchandising has traditionally made so much more and been set a, a much bigger... Um, piece of the profit pie when it comes to movie making. I mean, there even even Marvel is guilty of making movies specifically for the merchandising. Um, so I don't know. Like that seems like why why wouldn't that work? Marvel take the merchandising, Sony take the profits, and and or at least a, a, a larger portion of the profits. And you know, guys, come on, be civil. Go to marriage counseling. Figure it out. In, in any case, Spider Man is just. At this point it's he's not in the MCU anymore and I can and I have to take away some positives. There are some positives to take away here. One, Sony knocked it out of the park with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So whatever they did there, hopefully they know how to replicate and and apply to Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Um, and two, we got it, it wasn't like Spider-Man had a sh- very short run at Marvel. We got five great appearances from him, from him, two movies. and even though I really, really wish that they had they had kind of book ended it with a, a one more Spider-Man movie to kind of close the, the like the Spider-Man trilogy in the MCU. um we did get five great appearances from Tom Holland as Spider-Man and I think that there are some purposes that he served to the MCU that really, um, that does bring some conclusiveness like his relationship with Tony Stark and his uh, his um, transition from how he transitions the MCU from phase three to phase four I think that there there are there are some takeaways he didn't he wasn't necessarily useless in the MCU or he didn't fulfill it's not like he didn't fulfill enough purpose in the MCU so I'm trying to take away some positives here and I think there are enough positives to be like okay maybe maybe disney and sony can get together again sometime and really and make it work i mean
1: there's a there's there's a big gap between what it is or was and what they were asking for so there's plenty of wiggle room in between those two points
0: and just think look if they can't work it out then at some point marvel and disney are just gonna pull out a checkbook and put as many zeros as they want at the end and buy sony Oh, god. <laughs> they can look at Sonny and be like, I hope they remember you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse with the affinity gauntlet. Just ready to snap away the competition.
0: Those memes are priceless. Uh all right, one more thing before we jump into our main topic: Rise of Skywalker. There has been some new content that has come out for for promoting that movie. Tim, what has stood out to you?
1: Um, well, we'll start with the uh, the scene that they're saying they showed d twenty three that was you know not available to the public, so it was kind of a um, people were describing it, and uh, apparently Ray is in dark uh, robes with a double. Cited Red lightsaber. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, this is her, you know, they're going to have her go dark or something. I think it's probably more along the lines of what Luke did um, in Empire Strikes Back, where, you know, he fights Vader in the cave. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back, but seriously.
0: Spoiler alert, that was from the 70s. Like, the greatest oh, movie on.
1: trilogy of all time, <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not even sorry to spoil it for you. I,
0: I, Right, I appreciate your consideration, but shame on anyone out there who has not gotten around to those yet.
1: <laughs> so, uh, where he fights what seems like Darth Vader in the cave, and it turns out when he defeats him, the mask opens up and it's actually Luke's face inside of the Vader outfit. And I think it's more along the lines of something like that than actually Ray going to the dark side, but it would be an interesting twist if they actually did swap the characters. Now that would be subverting expectations, Thomas.
0: It could (laughs) be. So here's my thoughts on that, right? They, I would love that kind of twist. They just don't have time for that right? Unless this is because apparently this year we have this trend of three hour movies. So unless they're going to make it a three, three and a half hour film, they really don't have time for Ray to turn to the dark side and then turn back to the, to the light side. Like that's, that's just, that should not happen in one movie. That itself is a trilogy. Um, so I, I would suspect that the first thing you said is probably more accurate and that this is just a way to generate hype around this final movie in in the skywalker saga um because as as far as i know this is the last movie of the skywalker saga they're going to move on to other things and who knows maybe in 20 years we'll get we'll get another skywalker movie because oh they'll just reboot them or or they can just reboot there's a lot of things you can do those live action reboots (laughs) Right. There's a lot of things they can do 10, 15, 20 years down the road, right? But uh, until then, this is the last Skywalker film that I know of. Um, and and I just don't think there's enough time for that particular story arc to happen. If that was going to happen, it should have started in The Last Jedi. Um, and we... And, and, uh, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, in The Last Jedi, we know that Ray does not turn the... In fact, she very strongly resists it. Um, so... So I don't think that that's going to be the story arc here. But also on top of that, the poster came out, and the poster definitely has her fighting Kylo Ren, um, which would imply to me that she is fighting for, uh, fighting for the light side. She's not. She's not. There's no conflict on whether she actually wants to go to the dark side or not. Um, and I think the whole, I think Force Awakens and The Last Jedi have really shown that she's not. Um, She's not, there's, there's not really much of an inclination to go to the dark side. There's a lot of temptation, but not the inclination to go to the dark side. And so with this last movie, um, and even the title Rise of Skywalker, like, I, I don't know, like that doesn't necessarily, um, communicate to me that Skywalkers are bad. Um, it would seem to me that this would be the rise of everything that Skywalker, um, has represented, in the greater trilogy or not not trilogy but the greater franchise
1: yeah i think that's pretty well well articulated um the other thing about the poster is palpatine being the primary villain in the background yeah Um,
0: palpatine is very very superimposed on the top and like half of that poster (laughs) yeah i'm
1: not sure how i feel about that because does nobody die in Star Wars? Because, you know, you get Darth Maul falls down a okay. bottom as a pity back in the cartoons and in Solo. And then now Palpatine's going to come back. So do we get Snoke back? Do we get to, to retcon that it, thing? Probably. Do we get Snoke back I absolutely and all of a sudden he's going to come back.
0: <laughs> Snoke will be back in the franchise. There is no way Snoke only had a one movie appearance, so he will be back. But Luke told you in the story, no one ever really dies, right? Like they. The spoiler alert: no one ever really dies. <laughs> that but was put I, the trailer, I was under so... the assumption
1: that that would be um, in in uh, like because uh, a lot of the Jedi would die, but they're they're through the Force. And so Palpatine could be there through the Force, but that doesn't actually. But like they've already shown that Darth Maul wasn't there through the Force. He was just there in the cartoons and in solo. So.
0: Right. Yeah. So it, then it, again, this is just another one of those things that time will tell in December. We'll figure out what, how exactly they're going to conclude this uh, franchise. Cause I think. I think Disney, I mean, as far as I know, there's no more Star Wars stories, right? Like, they kind of put the kibosh on that.
1: Yeah. Right? I think after Solo. As decided, far as I know, though,
0: was... so, I I could I could be wrong. I, I mean, it, Solo, I was not a fan of at all. And Rogue One, I only liked, like, the last third of it. Um, even upon watching it a second and third time, it's like, man, I could just skip this first two thirds in the movie and just land on the beach. You know what's hilarious <laughs> that about that? That right there from the beat on.
1: I remember <laughs> your initial reaction and my initial reaction to that movie and your reaction now mm-hmm. is my was my initial reaction. Was I did not how... see it as a Star Wars movie at all until it got to maybe halfway right. through the movie and then I'm like, "Oh, okay, now we're starting to get into what that is, what Star Wars has been." Mm-hmm. I was half confused for the first half of the movie.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I remember it felt, Rogue One felt Star Wars to me the whole time. It just didn't feel interesting until they landed on the beach. Um, and once they landed on the beach and we're going to get the plan, that's when I'm like, finally, this movie is starting to get good. And that whole last sequence, when it finally, they... Uh, spoiler can we just say this episode is a spoiler like episode like if you're listening to this and you haven't seen any of these star wars films then immediately turn this off and go find all of the star wars films and spend the rest of your day doing that okay i mean i Um, gotta
1: be honest if you're listening to a film podcast and you haven't seen star wars i don't know why you're listening to a film podcast and if you call yourself a cinephile and you haven't seen star wars you need to revoke (laughs) your license immediately
0: that's funny we we only mean a little disrespect yeah. when we say this. <laughs> Um but so okay they land on the beach they're going to get the plans and 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 shit gets real when that starts happening characters die the plan has little hope there's no chance that this is supposed to happen um and then when it gets to the end they get the plans they broadcast it the planet you know or the the the, the planet explodes and then they get to Darth Vader showing up like it's just it's such a brilliant, I would actually put that sequence as one of the best sequences in Star Wars, right? Getting those plans up to Leia is just, watching that happen is brilliant for me. I I thought that execution was amazing. Um, but the rest of the movie, like getting there, is for me, it's just a drag. Like, man, can we just skip all of this? Like, fast forward. Anyway, I think I I
1: think outside the original trilogy and we'll end up talking about this with The Last Jedi, because there are spots in The Last Jedi that are good that I that I think are good. Mm -hmm. Um, But even Mm -hmm. like the prequels and the solo stories, I guess it's Star Wars Mm -hmm. stories, not solo stories. I'm actually not sure there was a part in solo that I really liked. But um...
0: yeah, actually, I don't think I liked anything in solo either.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think I basically complained about everything. So but when we talk about there's a lot of there's a lot of complaints about the 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 prequels and the you know the Star Wars stories. So you got that final sequence, mm-hmm. um where they get the plans. I thought that in episode mm-hmm. three, uh Revenge of the Sith, the Order sixty six mm-hmm. sequence is one of the best ones. Um especially okay. the musical score is like Oh yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. really good. So I mean, there's there's always bright spots unless it's Solo: Star Wars story, but
0: unless it's Solo, there's no bright spots than Solo. Uh, Nobody cared about Solo.
1: That's the. I think that's the problem. Everybody cared about Solo, and then they screwed it. Up. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, let me rephrase. No one cares about the Solo movie. That was just a waste of time. (laughs) If you really needed, you absolutely needed a Star Wars movie. Solo was that filler that nobody cared to make good. Um but uh but yeah, I, I it will be very interesting to see how Rise of Skywalker and, and let's also remember that this is JJ J. Abrams coming back. Now, JJ J. Abrams has to be the most amazing nerd in the history of nerds, right? He not only does he make really great films just in general, but he also knows fan service like like an art he has this very great artistic uh capability of just servicing the fans and we see that with the force awakens which was i thought a very awesome way to bring back star wars into current um pop culture um when we saw that with star trek where he rebooted star trek like someone give him award for give him an award for being the best nerd ever right um so he is returning to end this franchise and i have nothing but incredibly high expectations for that we know that abrams is very well versed in 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 what it means and what the star wars uh, uh, universe means to people and so i i can only imagine he has that in mind and he has the vision to hit all of the very crucial plot points that everyone cares about, um, and and then just like end it on this note that we all are just going to just going to like maybe not weep over, but like just be in awe of um, because he did so well with The Force Awakens. Um, and if Disney was going to bring him back, or Marvel, uh, not Marvel, sorry, we're not on that. If Lucasfilm was going to bring him back, um, then then he had to have some idea of how this was going to end. I can't wait, guys. We, yeah. we are what, four months away from it? I'm stoked. I cannot wait.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he did have quite the vision, and he set up a lot of stuff in The Force Awakens, and you're right. He it, It's not that The Force Awakens is the perfect movie. It's that... It's because right. it is basically a rehash of A New Hope. Um, but if you're bringing back Star Wars and you're trying to get the old fans and new fans in, it's the perfect way to do it. And he clearly had plans in mind, and then he handed those plans off to Ryan Johnson and he crapped all over them. So. <laughs> Now, they brought back – J.J. Abrams isn't just here to finish the uh, Disney trilogy. He's here to save it.
0: He's here to save it. (laughs) Because
1: at first they had – and this was a sticking point for me right after The Last Jedi came out. Why do you have three different directors writing three different stories that are all supposed to be connected to each other? That makes no sense. You keep either one writer and you have a, a story. You have a plan. It goes through. When you just let each person change it up how they want to change it up, there's no continuity.
0: Uh, We're going to get to that. (laughs) Deep sigh. Uh, We're going to get to that. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said at the beginning, you can hear the rest of this conversation when it publishes in October. In the meantime, you can find more content from both me and Tim on our blog. Just visit moviesforreal.net. That's for real spelled F-O-R-R-E-E-L dot net. Also connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Movies for real. Do you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? Go ahead and shoot us an email at moviesforreal at email.com. And we would love to consider having that on the podcast. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.